pastoring church there. Just kidding. Uh, felt like it, but um, actually I was 23 when I started and had gone to a conference, a day-long conference Saturday over to chapel in the area right on a lake, and, and um, it was entitled God Can Make It Happen. No, it wasn't a uh, prosperity gospel kind of a thing that uh, you come and pray and God will make you rich. No, it wasn't that at all. Uh, but we were challenged to exercise faith, to begin to pray and believe God and uh, to do uh, the impossible, to make a change in the lives of people, to use us. And, and I came home and was really fired up and shared with Jane uh, how God had stirred my heart and wanted us to pray about what we might uh, challenge God with in our lives. And and we hadn't been home to my mom and dad's at Christmas time for a while because we had just graduated from college a couple of years ago, gotten married, and her mom and dad lived close. And, and so I said, how about if we just ask God to provide tickets to fly home um, to South Jersey for Christmas? And uh, it would be a little over, I looked it up, a little over $300. You couldn't just go online back then. There was no online, right? And um, so I called a travel agent. Remember what those were? I don't know if they still exist or not. But anyway, found out to be a little over $300 for two round trip tickets, two round trip tickets to Philadelphia. And uh, so um, we said, let's do it. So we began to pray. We didn't say a word to anybody. We just began to pray. And... Um, as we did, I was uh, with the chairman of our deacons, and we were going out to make a visit on somebody, and uh, we finished that visit and got back, and he said, hey, pastor, just a minute, he said, um, God's really put something in my heart, and, and, and I want you to have this, and he handed me an envelope, and then it was $100, out of the blue. Amen. You know, it wasn't God for blue for me, not for God. He knew all about what was going on, and God began to provide money here and there. We got, again, without any prompting of any sort, any announcing what we were thinking about, praying about. Uh, Jane had had a, a good friend of hers who grew up and was a, a single missionary lady and uh, had a lot of need, and we were praying for her, and we get in the mail one day an envelope from Maryland with $20 in it. And I was like, whoa. What in the world? And, and so she provided, and God continued to provide, and we were, had all that we need. We were about $50 short, and we were coming down to the time, and, and um, uh, we were with one of the guys who was a youth worker, he and his wife, and uh, all of a sudden, we're thinking, and we're talking about things, and he hands me an envelope. And in that envelope is the last $50 that we needed for those two airline tickets. And we were ecstatic. Didn't tell a soul. Didn't ask anybody. Just talked to God. And God did that. And it was like, wow. Now, we got to Chicago area as a youth pastor and, and uh, had a great time, great ministry there. And uh, due to... Uh, some difficult situations. We had a Christian school, and the money wasn't flowing as it needed to, and, and uh, we had to uh, only take half of a paycheck for a while, 
And uh, we had three little kids at that point, and it was one of those things that you're like, all right, God, we're just doing this, and we'll keep serving. And, but the cabinets seemed to be getting emptier, you know, and it's like, all right, we never went without. We, all of that, we lived in a church-owned parsonage, so they kept the heat going and, and all the rest of it. But I'll never forget one Saturday afternoon, a deacon and his wife showed up with six bags of groceries out of nowhere. God provided at a time when, when we had a need. In 2008, a friend of mine, uh, we were down with, Jane and I were down visiting with him and his wife and good friends for many years, and, and uh, we went to uh, a fundraising dinner that he had taken us to, and it was a, a ministry in Camden, New Jersey, uh, reaching out into the, uh, the uh, difficult areas there, and and we got home and, and we're sitting up talking before he we went to bed and, and uh, he, he handed me this picture. Well, it was a picture of he and I and some friends of ours that we'd grown up with in high school and, uh, and I turned it over just to see if it said anything and on the back was this set of keys and I'm like, what in the world? I thought they were my keys. I'd left at his house or something and I'm like, man, I didn't even know I lost these keys. He said, look closely. And it were the keys to his 2002 Ford F-150 quad cab pickup truck, leather seats, you know, the sunroof, moonroof, CD, cassette, stereo, uh, you know, keyless entry. I mean, it rode like a Cadillac and it was a pickup truck. And it, uh, it was just, I said, what are you doing? He said, God told me to give this to you. I'm like, whoa, what in the world? Well, we didn't need that, but God lavished that. And God does that when we need it and when we don't. And as we talk about needs, we sometimes get worried about things that we don't have and things that we need. And my thought for you this morning would simply be, if the Lord is your shepherd, what are you worried about? If the Lord is your shepherd, what are you worried about? Has the Lord ever not provided what you need? Think about it. Has the Lord ever not provided what you need? And I would challenge you, individually or as couples or as families or however you would find that it would best be encouraging to you to make a list of the things that God has provided for you over the years the things that he provided when you needed it, you absolutely needed it, and when you didn't, God just gave it to you, just out of the grace and the mercy and his goodness and kindness and love to you. Uh, make a list and see what God has done. Please open your Bibles with me to Psalm 23, because we're going to talk this morning about God's provision, the Lord as our shepherd and his provision and the peace that he brings. If you don't have a Bible with you underneath the chair in front of you should be one. If you want to follow along with a hard copy, page 382 in that, uh, Psalm 23. And I'd like to ask you to stand with me as we've done over these last number of weeks in the 23rd Psalm and read or quote, right? You're working on that? You're getting the memorization down? Uh, the 23rd Psalm, 
uh, together. And we're using the New International Version, so we'll do that together. All right, you ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. seated. 23rd Psalm. I hope this has been an encouragement to you as we've been going through it. It has to me. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I will never lack anything I need. That's how we started. He is all I need. We sang about that this morning, but that's the truth. But today as we look at verse 5 of Psalm 23, it is You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Psalm 23, verse 5. Now, because the Lord is my shepherd, I will never lack his provision or peace. That's what we're talking about. I will never lack his provision or peace. There's no need to worry. God will always provide our needs, our needs, as we talk about that. And I'm going to look at that. First of all, the Lord's provision. David says, you prepare a table before me. Now, before I dig right into that that particular phrase and that part of the verse, I I, I didn't mention this last week, but but you got to see this because it's significant. Verse 4, there's a change. Um, verses 1 to 3, the focus of David's conversation is he's talking about the Lord, his shepherd, right? He's talking about the Lord, his shepherd. But in verses 4 and 5 and part of verse 6, he is talking to the Lord, his shepherd. Talking about the Lord, his shepherd, in verses 1 to 3. Talking, actually talking to the Lord, his shepherd. Look at it, verses 1 and 2. The Lord, you could say, he is my shepherd. It's like, it's like the sheep are talking to the sheep on the other side of the fence. Hey, the Lord, he's our shepherd, right? But that's it. He says, he is. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He refreshes. He guides me for his name's sake. He's talking about the Lord. You get to verse 4, and it's even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you. He's now talking to the Lord. He's talking to his shepherd. He's turned away from talking about, maybe talking to others about the Lord. He's talking to the Lord. He said, you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table. You anoint my head. My cup runs over your goodness and your love. He's talking directly to the Lord as opposed to talking about the Lord. That creates the impression and, and the, the, the emotion, the feeling of a personal relationship that David has with his Lord, with his shepherd. It's not just talking about him. He can turn and actually talk to the Lord. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. Your goodness and love. Do you see the difference? I would ask you to look at your own life and just ask yourself, do you just talk about God? Or do you know Him well enough to actually talk to Him? He's this. He refreshes my soul. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside the quiet. He guides me. He refreshes my soul. Or is it you? Are with me. You prepare a table before me. You, your rod, your staff, your goodness, your love. How do you talk to God? About Him? Or do you have a direct face to face type of relationship in the conversation that you have? Because you are my Lord. You are my shepherd. How is it with you today? Because that's a two different things. It's good to talk to other people about our, about our Lord, but it's better to talk directly to our Lord. And that takes a close personal relationship. Now, as we look at the text here in verse 5, Verse 5, David says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Some believe that David is changing the metaphor here. He's changing the metaphor from the shepherd and sheep illustration to that of a host and his honored guest at a banquet setting. And as you read through that, and they say that here in verse 5, because you prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil. In the East, it was common for a person to come as a dinner guest and to be honored by the host to put oil on his head to refresh his, uh, after weary traveling. And, and, and some would say that's it. Uh, others say, no, the metaphor hasn't changed. It's still that of a shepherd with his sheep. Philip Keller, the book that we've been talking to you about, about uh, a shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm, believes that this metaphor is still the shepherd and the sheep. I, I tend to lean that way. I'm not going to say absolutely it must be because you can go, you can see both arguments. And yet I believe David is laying that out there for us. Why would he all of a sudden in the middle of this whole thing just change the whole 
picture of what he's talking about, but I really believe it is still the shepherd and the sheep. And, and Keller brings out the fact that it's the shepherd's preparation of the high tablelands where he's taking the sheep for the summer. We talked about walking through those darkest valleys, the journey up through the valleys away from the lowlands that during the summer get dried out and don't have all of the green pastures or the still waters for them. And so he takes them up through the valleys up into the mountain ranges where the grass is good and the water is flowing and and there's a there's a tableland up there and in fact the many places even out west in the United States over in sections of Europe and Africa they call those flat areas of land the table they call them mesas mesa is the Spanish word for table so he's talking about that and taking them up where the sheep will graze in the summer up in the mesas, the tablelands up in the mountains to which he's leading. And a good shepherd will go ahead of the sheep. Not, he'll leave the sheep where they are, but before it's time to move them, he'll make a trip up to that tableland and he'll get things all ready. He'll clean up the area. He'll get, he'll get the, all the rocks and debris that have been laying in the quiet waters and clean that out. He'll get the grass ready. He may even take some seed to plant areas so that when the sheep get there later in the summer, there'll be good green pastures to feed on. He'll make sure that he's aware of the land so that when necessary he can protect his sheep his flock from the the dangerous animals the wolves or the lions and tigers and bears oh my right not really but uh, there would be lions and and bears I'm sure we know David took care of some but whatever that may be clearing out the rocks and and preparing the soil there's often in many places poisonous plants And for some of the sheep, for them to eat that, they look great, they look beautiful, look like just good food, but when they eat them, man, it's danger, it can kill those sheep. And so they go and they get rid of all of that stuff and they prepare that table land ahead of time for the sheep to come for the summer so that those sheep can prosper and grow. No matter what the metaphor is, if it is in fact the continuation of the shepherd and the sheep, or if it is changed to that of a host with honored guests at a banquet, uh, really the bottom line is, David's point is that the Lord is providing for the needs of his people. God will provide all that we need, especially our physical needs. He's talking here about feeding and about water, but it's really all of what they need, their safety so that they can continue to live and produce the wool that that some of them would be raised, in fact, to do so. Every last need of the hungry, thirsty, and tired sheep will be met because the shepherd has prepared the table land ahead of time for the sheep. Listen, the Lord knows everything that's coming down the pike for you and I. Jane's not here today because she's out in Iowa with her mom. Um, she, her mom will be 94 in December, and at this stage, you, you never know how that goes, and wanted to get out and see her, be with her, and so we looked around and found some tickets, and I actually found some points that I 
wasn't sure I could use, and I could, so was able to, and not even have to buy tickets, but get her a ticket to go out. Two days after, we, we, we got her that ticket and made the trip for her. She got a call from her, her sister saying that their, ma, her mom had had, they'd done a mass on her kidney. And uh, they're assuming, but don't know, she's had some tests this week. And all of that was God's perfect timing. Because God knew what was coming down the road. God knew the journey that Jane and her mom and her sisters and brothers were going to be going through as it relates to taking care of her mom. God knows all about everything ahead for us. And he provides what we need. That's why David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. I have everything I need. Second Peter chapter 1, I can't help think this, verse 3. Peter says, it is his divine power that has given us everything that we need for godliness. I like the, some translations, everything that we need for life and godliness. Everything that we need to live a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. All that we need for life and godliness, Peter says, God has provided. The Lord, our shepherd. But then you can't miss what Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verses 31 to 32. I love these verses and really the, the whole end of chapter 8 of the book of Romans and these two verses are amazing because Paul says this. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? You read the text to see what he's responding. What things is he responding to? But he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now keep that in mind, even if you might think about an enemy or whatever it may be. But then we go to verse 32, and Paul says this. He, he's talking about God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him his own son up for us all, how will he not also along with him, along with Jesus, along with giving us his only son, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He's already given us his son. There's no greater gift possible. But he graciously gives us all things, everything else we need, over and above those things that, that we need or want. He does it all. Wow. That's what David's talking about here. In providing the Lord his shepherd provides all of our need. I lack nothing. Nothing. If you went to Genesis 22, I'm not going to dig into that, but that's the story of God where, where God told Abraham to go up in the mountain and offer his son Isaac, the son of promise, the only son. He waited forever, wondered whether, well, not forever. He waited for a while, right? When God promised that he would have a son, a son of promise to make his name great and all of the rest of that. And he waited and waited, and, and then Sarah was old, and, and Abraham was old, 100 years old, his wife was 90. How in the world are they going to have a son? Let's take this into our own hands. Sarah says, go sleep with Hagar. 
We'll have a son of promise through her. That wasn't to be the son of promise. God said, I told you I would give you a son. Isaac was born. Then he says, God says, all right, Abraham, I want to know that you really believe me. I want you to take up your son Isaac up to the mountain. I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. Your son, your only son, that son of promise, you offer him as a sacrifice. Well, wait a minute. If I offer him as a sacrifice, what in the world? How are we going to do this? Abraham didn't ask that question. He just obeyed. Some of you may remember that story. If, if, if you don't or if you've never heard that, check out Genesis 22. And, and as Abraham is about to totally obey God and drive a knife into his son Isaac and kill him, God says, stop, and he provides the sacrifice. Because Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. God, that's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide that's what david i believe that's what david's talking about the lord will provide get this picture in your head you ever been to a dinner like this it's the kind of dinner that you sit down and there are four knives and you're like what up here there's maybe three or four knives or forks and spoons and then you got how many different glasses And it's like, what in the world? What am I supposed to do with all these things? And you start to use this knife for buttering your bread, you know, and and somebody's, oh, you're supposed to use that knife. And and it's like, whoa, what are you doing? But but we think the ornate, the lavishness, and, and you see these kinds of things. That's what's going on here. The honored guests, we are that, and the Lord, our shepherd, provides for us All that we need, we lack nothing. The Lord's provision. Get that into your head. The Lord will provide always our needs. But then there's the Lord's peace. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the presence of my enemies. Charles Spurgeon said this, the good man has enemies. Has his enemies. He would not be like his Lord if he had not. Right? If we were without enemies, we might fear that we were not the friends of God. John chapter 15 And I'll just look at two verses. You can check out the text there, John chapter 15. But this is what we read, verse 18. Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. He's talking about enemies. Then he says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. The world hates us because it hated Jesus. And the world will never fall in love with those who know Jesus. The world will never fall in love with God except for those who individually trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Listen, when we say that God provides 
everything we need. He already did. We looked at Romans 8. He provided his own son as a sacrifice to pay our debt, to pay for our sin. He did that. What's left to give? Well, he says, I'll give you everything else too. That's Romans 8. God already sent his son, Jesus, to this world to be born as a baby, as a man, so that he could ultimately grow to the point where he would go to the cross and he would die in our place for our sins, to pay for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could experience eternal life with God in heaven one day. That's what he's done for us. But he says, understand the world will hate you when you claim that. The world will hate the one we claim as our Savior. The world will hate the one that we claim as our shepherd, Jesus Christ. Why? Because Satan is behind it all. Listen, we many times worry about the sin around us, about the evil. Where David says, you prepare a table right in front of my enemies. Who does that? Right in front of my enemies. Folks, the enemies will always be there. Always be there. Now, when I say that, I am not saying that Satan is omnipresent. He is not everywhere like God is. He has demons who do his bidding, and, and there is certainly evil every, every time we turn around, every time we look around the corner, there's evil. You read what's going on in our country and around the world, there's evil everywhere. It seems like evil is reigning. Folks, evil has nothing to do with the political system in which we experience life. Evil is sin, it's evil, it's the devil, it's there. And, and he says, you've prepared a table right in front of my enemies. Think about that. What is David trying to communicate? I believe he's saying, you know what? We're going to sit down right in front of the enemies. We're safe because of our shepherd, the Lord. Not only are we safe, but we can be confident that he knows what's going on. He's, we saw last week, he'll protect us. We can relax. The enemy is there, but there's no chaos. There's no commotion. There's no confusion. And there need not be any worry because the Lord prepares the table to meet our needs right in front of our enemies. And the enemy can't do anything about it. He's already lost. So sit down, eat, enjoy at the banquet table that the Lord has prepared for us. The Lord is providing all we need right in front of our enemies. Folks, he's got our backs. I was telling somebody just the other day, we were talking about doing ride-alongs with the police. And, and man, when I go out with our guys here around Clark Summit, we, we don't have a whole lot of activity usually. Every once in a while, there's something that, you know, is a little scary. It gets the blood flowing and, you know, it's like, but, but wow, I've ridden with my son Luke down in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it's a different ball game down there. 
And the first time that I was going out, Jane says, um, you know, you really didn't talk to me a lot about this. I'm like, it's our own son. Yeah, but I'm a little nervous. I said, you know what, hon? I don't think there's any cop in the world that I would be more confident that would have my back than my own son. God has our backs. He prepares the table in the presence of our enemies. Wow. Peace, security, confidence in the middle of evil. We worry about all kinds of things. We've got an election coming up, and we, we worry about what's going to happen, and what if the wrong guys get in and do this and make these laws? What about if, if the legislation changes and it goes against what we believe to be true in the Word of God? What about the economy? And what about our school systems? And, and what if they change all of this? And what about all the evil that's going already now today in our schools? What do we do? What's going to happen to our kids, and how do we over? come and and what are we going to do and on and on and on and we worry and we fret and we fuss and David says he prepares a table before me right in front of our enemies that's peace folks that's peace the Lord provides all that we need and he gives us Peace to believe and to know that he is in charge. Listen, when we read the word of God, life as we know it today is not going to get better. I'm not a prophet. But when you read your Bible, you know the direction things are going. And it's not going to get better. Well, we may have some, some good things happen here or there. There may be some let-ups here or there, or whatever it may be. But folks, we know how the story ends. And we know where it's going. We don't know the timing of it all, but we know what's coming. And we know that God has already won the battle. And it may get rougher than we ever would think. I don't know what that will look like for you and I who know Jesus but we can know that God provides for what we need and he's going to give us peace as we wait on him. He prepares a table right in front of our enemies because he's our shepherd and he cares about his sheep. That's us. If you know Jesus... That's you. That's me. If you don't today, you don't have that confidence. You don't know what may be coming. You don't know about life after death because without Jesus, the Bible says it's punishment for your sin in hell forever. Totally separated from God. But that's not necessary because the Lord, as we saw, has already sent his son. He's given us his son to pay our 
for our sins. He took our place on the cross for our sins. So in light of what we've just heard this morning, what do you need to do? What do you need to do? Well, we say it this way. Has the provision of God, has the peace that we've talked about, has that gripped your heart? Has the provision and peace of the Lord, our shepherd, gripped your life? Do you believe? Are you full of worry? Are you caught up in worry? We talked about fear last week. Sometimes worry comes before the fear. Sometimes worry leads to fear that's not real. He has the provision and peace of the Lord, your shepherd, gripped your heart. Just this morning, I, I, I was going to use a different text to close. And I was reminded of what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, you can't get any more absolute than that. There are no exceptions, right? Look, about anything. In every situation, there's no exceptions. Paul doesn't say, well, don't worry about most things, but your future retirement fund, you, yeah, that, you can worry about that. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Why? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. We can't explain it. We can't get it. All understand. will guard, will stand guard over your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. So if the Lord is your shepherd, what are you worried about? What are you worried about? No need to worry about anything because you will never lack his provision or peace. He is all I need. He provides and he gives peace. Father, what an amazing truth. And everywhere we look is evil. Based upon what you've taught us and what we see in Scripture, things are not going the direction that we would want as it relates to righteousness and obedience to you as our God. And yet, Father, I, we know the end of the story and what you've told us. And Lord, help us. Help us to... Know the peace that comes because of the difference Jesus Christ has made in our lives. Because the Lord is our shepherd, we will never lack your provision or peace. Oh God, help us. 
to claim that today for the glory of God. For it's in Christ's name that I pray.